Welcome to a little juju podcast. This is the podcast all about decolonizing our religious practices. That's a new one, right? Honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves and black ass spirituality, black ass spiritual practices. We ain't new to this. We are in fact true to this. I'm your host Juju and I hope that you all enjoy the show. It's been a minute since it's just been me solo time. We've been really getting in with these wonderful interviews with these amazing elders in our in our traditions. So, I just needed to check in cuz you know I have some things to get off my chest, things to talk about, um do some ancestral check-ins and yeah, so I missed I missed recording. I know I was spoiling y'all a little bit. I have some amazing interviews in store for the future, but today it's just going to be me running my mouth. Oh, what a joy. Let's get into it. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Confirm no say. And I'll never give never play. I'll take your photos to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bay to make them stay. Cause I hate when Bailey. But I manifest a little with my Baileys I'm my ancestors, baby So I give them everything that they gave me yeah. Well, 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 there's so many things uh, Well, let me start off by saying Right now I'm recording from Baltimore, Maryland Where I'm from in my house, in my room that I grew up in well yeah for some time grew up in and I've never recorded oh yes I have recorded from here before well either way it's been nice to be home for a little bit I went to my great auntie's 90th birthday on this past Saturday and it was so good it was so fun it was amazing to see her she looked so beautiful if you saw on my Instagram I posted a lot of videos and pictures in my story and yeah, it was just like, I, I came home for that because you only turn 91 time and 90 years is like, it's hard to even conceptualize what it means to be 90. Like the things that you have seen and experienced in 90 years as a black woman, like I can't even wrap my head around it. My auntie Myrtle was, or is like amazing she is one of the people that I feel like is the keeper of a lot of ancestral tradition she's the she's the first person that I saw who would talk about ancestors at like celebrations and family gatherings she was pouring libation I had an African naming ceremony when I was a baby she conducted that um there's pictures somewhere of me in like (laughs) and who knows like Honestly, I think black folks in the 90s and, you know, 80s and me being born in the 90s were still very, you know, in the Pan-African, the whole Pan-African thing was popping. And so, you know, you was having African naming ceremonies for babies. And like, I don't know if it was a specific like ethnic tradition, but it was just an African naming ceremony we all had on like dashikis. I had on like a baby one. Anyway, she conducted that. She was always the one to talk about her ancestors. She's the one that still, if I call her, 
like, oh, can you tell me about your mother? Tell me about your grandmother. Tell me about like, so she's one of the elders that I go to because she's been here for 90 years and she, she carries that. She always told stories to me and other children growing up. She was the one that taught me about Anansi the spider. She was the one sharing folk tales. She's a storyteller, like always has just been that way. Just naturally can tell any kinds of beautiful stories and the one, the elder whose feet you were sitting at to listen about about history and life and, and fiction and, and mythology, quote unquote, and everything like that. So I, I didn't really feel like I internalized that until I got way older. And I'm like, who in my family understands what I, oh, my auntie Myrtle. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's the one that taught me that I was good at acting and that I liked acting. She would write plays and she would make me be in the plays with her. She would take me to, um, you know, growing up in Baltimore, the Catholic community here is very strong. Like the black Catholic community is very strong here, almost as if it's like New Orleans. And she would take me to the Oblate Sisters Convent, which was the all black women nun. Like convent is like where the nuns live and gather and go to church. She would take me to the Oblate Sisters' house, and we would have so much fun and go to church, and it was just turned up and being around all these black nuns and just talking to them. Like, so that's the kind of experience I had when I was with her. So I just wanted to shout her out for a minute here on the podcast. So I have to send her this episode because she's FaceTimes me and everything. She is, you wouldn't think she's a day over 65, the way she is so hip and can do just anything. So I hope to be uh, just a smidgen like my Auntie Myrtle. Everybody knows Auntie Myrtle. She's just that, she's just that black mama, that black elder who has done so much for her own children and also other people's children. And she's just everybody's mama, everybody's auntie. So I'm blessed to have her. I'm I'm super blessed to have her. Honor your elders, y'all. Talk to your elders. Talk to your elders. Talking to your elders brings you closer to your ancestors. It really does. Babies and old people. <laughs> um, let's see. So that was that. And besides that, oh, I do want to, it's been a minute since I've been able to record and just kind of talk. I want to shout out Tea with Queen and Jay again for having such an amazing event in, event in New York, Pod and Live NYC, which is a yearly podcasting networking quote unquote they don't really love that language but I don't know what else to call it meetup podcast meetup and I got to meet so many different kinds of podcasters I got to talk to people um and tell them about this work a little juju and I met people who listened to the show I got to meet money from queer walk who I absolutely love queer walk podcast one of my faves I got to meet all the hoes from inner Ho uprising podcast also faves and also, you know, meeting Queen and Jay and Diamond and Z from Marsha's Plate, other faves. Like, I just got to be in space with people that allow me to do this work and who inspired me to do this work. So I appreciate everyone again who donated to help me get to New York and back. I had a great time. I definitely feel like I'm going to be in New York a lot. Or at least I'm going to try this summer. I'm just to maybe... Just have some little events and things there. I was just having a, some conversations with folks around bringing maybe a little Juju podcast to New York for a weekend and maybe doing some workshops or 
a live show. We can figure it out, but I just have some, some things in my mind brewing that I want to do in New York. I love New York. I grew up going to New York a lot, being from Baltimore. I mean, I could be in Philly at any moment. I could be in New York at any moment, D.C. at any moment. So I always, going to New York was nothing for me. So it was really nice to get back there after living in the Midwest for like four years now. It's like, oh yeah, I love the East Coast. So shout out to everybody in New York. Shout out to the New Yorkers. New Yorkers look out for me. I have never really had the experience of like, New Yorkers are mean, New Yorkers are rude. I just, I've never felt that. I've always get shown a lot of love. I really do. <laughs> really, I just get shown so much love. I mean, stuff is wild anywhere. Things can happen anywhere. But I've, I've, my experiences in New York have been extremely positive throughout my entire life. And some random um, New York nigga gave me a, a bracelet, which I love. And it has the Hamsa hand on it, which is the, um, some people call it the hand of Fatima. And, uh, and I think in Muslim practices, but it's also a hand of, another uh, I can't remember and in Judaism but it's the hand that has the eye in the middle of it if you all know what I'm talking about it's the Hamsa you can look it up I actually have the Hamsa tattooed on me and so this random nigga you know he was trying to talk to me at first I was like I'm not really interested he was like okay well I sell um bracelets and stuff and then he showed me this one I was like I love it I was like but I don't have any cash on me and then he just put it on my wrist I said that's what I'm talking about so evil eye everywhere. I keep the eye. I keep eyes on me everywhere. So yeah, New York was great. Pot and Live was great. Life is feeling good. It's feeling like it's settled. I'm working on a lot of fun things for y'all. So I am. I'm just excited to be brewing up different things to offer the world that we can participate in, that we can continue to learn from each other, and just wanting to create more intentional space and community. So. You know, be on the lookout. Of course, I'll be talking about on the podcast and on my social media and things. But just know I'm working. I'm working because I I just, I feel very full. I feel like my ancestors are calling me to do very specific work. So I'm just trying to do it to the best of my ability and bring in more people to build relationship with our ancestors to do this healing work and to make it feel possible and feasible and not like it's something scary or different or Anything like that, but that we're all on this journey together. So I just want to help make it easier for as many people as I can. And shit, for me. <laughs> because it'd be a lot in these streets. Okay, so now that I've blabbled, babbled on about that, let's talk a little bit about how you can help sustain this podcast through your donations. All you need is a little juju. So a little juju podcast is written, edited, produced, hosted, put together, flipped it and reversed it by me. Um, and so I asked for donations to help me with that laborious process. Um, this, the donations that I ask are monetary. And then there's also donations that are not monetary. So the way to help support and sustain this podcast monetarily is through, um, donations through patreon patreon is a site where i ask for three dollars a month that's 36 dollars a year that will come out of your bank account the first of every month and it goes towards helping keep this work alive going making sure that the content is quality content helping me get better materials for the show and all the things that it requires in order to have a podcast 
um, it is not a free process. So your donations help me to do that. And Patreon helps me do that a lot because it is a more consistent way to help support the show. Um, so right now I want to shout out my new patrons. I got a cute little amount of patrons this week. So I was very, very excited about that. So my first shout out goes to. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, we have Allie McCormick. I feel like I might have shouted out Allie McCormick last time. But if so, thanks again, Allie. Um, Janae Bonsu also became a patron. That's my girl. Hey, boo. David, shout out to David. Shout out to Queen Tessa Fouquet. Thank you, boo. Jennifer Pagan. Hey, mamas. Thank you for becoming a patron. Uh, Ife Hampton became a patron. Um, Giraffo-centric, love the name, boo. Became a patron. Ebony Brown upped their pledge. So thank you, Ebony, for upping that pledge. Uh, Jasmine Latrice became a patron. Angelique, thank you, Angelique. Helio, thank you so much, Helio. Ray Nelson became a patron. Nick Roundtree, thank you so much, Nick. Ash Johns, I love Ash. I'm working with Ash right now for, with some exciting things. So shout out to Ash uh, for becoming a patron. Henny Marie, thank you, Henny. And yes, those are all my new patrons. I'm so grateful. I'm so honored. I'm so thankful to all of you all for becoming patrons today. Your donations do not go unnoticed. Uh, they are super important in doing this work. They are super important to me. And I just appreciate you all for investing in me in that way. I don't take it lightly. And sharing the energy of money with me like so i'm sending and sharing the energy of money with you right back i speak that the money that you are donating out to me be flipped for you tenfold and you get it as quickly as possible so that you're able to also manifest and bring about the things that you want to bring into the world that you need a little coin for so i'm speaking that with my juju and sending all my good loving and juju and money juju and abundance juju to you and just saying thank you thank you thank you thank you so shout out to my patrons shout out to the people who hit me up on the cash app if you don't if you can't commit to a monthly sort of donation system you can always send me on my cash app uh dollar sign i-t-s-j-u-j-u-b-a-e some people just come through slide through like with a little five dollars like thank you boo i appreciate you this is my donation i love that i appreciate that um i'm also on paypal so if you wanted to just send a one-time donation through paypal the jujube at gmail.com is also a way to I donate to the podcast. Now, besides the monetary ways, if you ain't trying to break bread, that's cool. We ain't no gotta like that. I feel you. So other ways to support and sustain and donate is through writing a review on Apple Podcast, rating the podcast five stars, um, writing any kind of review because it helps people be able to find this work, to be able to find this kind of podcast, people who are looking for information like this. Um, or rating on whatever platform you use, putting a little heart if you're listening on SoundCloud, telling your friends about the podcast, you should check this out, putting this on. Hey, what's a new podcast? What is the podcast? Oh, you should check out a little Juju podcast. Shouting me out on Instagram. All of those things are also ways to get the word out, get the good Juju gospel out in these streets. And a way that I deeply, deeply appreciate. So thank you to everyone who consistently does that as well. Thank you to people who are always tagging me in something, posting about the podcast, telling people about it. That means the world to me because I just want to be able to share, you know, all of what we're learning with each other. So I appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And sending all of the good energy you're sending me right back.
All you need is a little juju. Okay, so our next segment today is segment today is heal yourself and the heal yourself segment is the segment where i give you all little juju related tips and tricks to heal to make our lives better to make ourselves feel better so today's heal yourself is one that on the surface doesn't really feel like juju but we know that juju is a part of everything everything that we do is using some type of power some type of energetic power tapping into universal energy to be able to create something manifest something banish something etc so today's heal yourself is please reevaluate your relationships specifically your friendships and i'm saying this because this comes up a lot in divination so for those who do not know maybe this is your first time listening i'm also a spiritual reader i'm a medium yeah so in divinations with people a lot of times people's ancestors will come through and be like we don't like your friends you can't trust your friends you don't set no boundaries with your friends your friends is taking advantage of you they are creating a blockage in your life. You haven't been able to move on to the next things because of your friends. Like, <laughs> that is very common. So, I needed to, I felt like I needed to bring it up because when things come up in divination a lot now, I'm feeling like, okay, so this needs to be said on the show. Please reevaluate your friendships. This means I would just create a little list around the people that you keep close to you, the people that you share your secrets with, share stories with, that you process with, cry with, party with. Just kind of write those things down. Write how they help you, how they benefit your life. Um, What are they adding to your life? Do you ever feel like you're being depleted from around certain people? Like you really need to take those things seriously because people can create blockages to things that we are trying to create and do. They absolutely can. I see it all the time. Most of the time when people think they're being hexed, it's like, no, either one, you're hexing yourself or two, you're around people who you think like you who actually don't, but you actually knew that they didn't like you. You knew that they didn't really fuck with you like that. You knew that you shouldn't be really around them, but you continue to be around them for whatever reason that you have to now figure out why you stay in spaces and in relationships longer than you know you need to. That's something that... We have to start asking ourselves. So that's why I wanted to bring this up today and heal yourself because when we are in relationship with people who are filling us up and supporting us and making us feel good, that's, I don't know, better. (laughs) That's more sustainable. That's healthier for our own lives. And then on the flip side of that, you also need to make sure that you are creating boundaries for people and that you're being a good friend to others. Are you secretly hating on people? Are you talking about people behind their backs and gossiping about them and just not adding anything to anyone's life? Are you misusing your friendships? Are you being codependent? Now, these are all things we have to process. Are we in situations that we don't want to be in with friendships? And are you also taking advantage? Because it can go both ways. 
So assess, assess, assess relationships. This is a community work. This work, our spiritual work and everything that we do, even when I'm just talking about like being able to create a better world, it takes people, it takes a team, it takes our friends, it takes our loved ones, it takes community. So we need to constantly be assessing how we are in community with each other if we want to be able to manifest, live in, create a better system, a better structure, a better world for ourselves and for the future. So today's Heal Yourself is assess your friends, please, and assess yourself. You know, I do want to add that I felt at some point, well, one, there was a point where I knew that I was in relationships I shouldn't be in emotionally and romantic. I'm sorry. Well, yes, emotionally, romantically and platonically. And so I had to do a lot of soul searching around that and moving through my fear of letting those things go and being being fearful of the future. And so what really... I had a lot of anxiety of like not meeting the people that I need to meet, not being able to build out like my own community and people that I feel comfortable with. I just felt like I was disconnected from that for some reason. And so what really, really helped was me praying to my Egbe. And for those who don't know, Egbe is basically means society. It means society in Yoruba. And we all have Egbe. Everybody got Egbe. Egbe is the the group, the family, the friends, the heavenly homies that you have before you came to this world. The people that your spirit has been spending time with, was spending time with before we came into this bag of flesh on earth. So that's the your family. That's the people that, that got you still. They're still watching over you. You're Egbe. Um, some of our Egbe have been born into the world too. So sometimes when you meet up with someone who you feel instantly attracted to, connected to, like you know that you just love, that you support, feel like you all have known each other before, a lot of times that's like us linking with our Egbe. So we all have Egbe. And some of our Egbe is still in the heavens and some are on this earth. And I've I told myself, I think I had a reading And I was talking about, like, I just feel like I can't connect with my friends. Like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm not meeting people. And the diviner told me, I think it was Maisha, I don't remember, one of my elders. But she was like, pray to your egg bay. Pray to your egg bay that they bring you closer to your egg bay on this earth, on this land. And I swear, once I did that, I asked egg bay to bring me to my earthly egg bay, to bring me to the people that will be supportive, to the people who are loving to the people that would support me and who I can support. I met my Egbe everywhere. I met Egbe in um, Trinidad, one of my friends I've talked about on here. I automatically knew that that was one of my soul, my heavenly friends, my soul family. Um, I have an Egbe in LA who I connected with on a, on Facebook, I'm pretty sure. And now we're like super close. Like I have Egbe all over. And so since I started praying to be able to run into those people, to be able to connect with those, I think money from Queer Walk, I was like, I think you're my Egbe. Like I will tell you when I meet you. Like I'm pretty sure we come from the same family, the same society uh, in the heavens or just in past lives. So I recommend y'all to do that to just build a relationship with your egg bait in general because it's super important. And even if you're not Yorba, um, there are so many different concepts 
of Egbe that come from different cultures. I was watching a video and I think it was a Vietnamese concept and they called it something else, but it was how I understood it as Egbe. So Egbe is generally a part of most indigenous cultural practices. I just call it Egbe because I'm a part of a Yoruba tradition, but we all have our heavenly homies. We all have spiritual friends that we connected with before this lifetime. So call on them. That helps too. And tell your Egbe to, to X out the people that don't need to be there. I'm trying to tell you it works, y'all. So assess your friendships, assess yourself in friendships and in relationship. And if you have difficulty connecting with folks, ask your Egbe to help and bring your Egbe closer to you. And yeah, I hope that was I hope that was helpful. Assess and pray for the community that you need. I shade of that. Heal yourself. All you need is a little juju. So our next segment is Juju for the Culture, and I don't always do this segment, but this is one that I do sometimes to basically just talk about what's going on in pop culture, what's going on in the media, in our political climate, and giving my little Juju two cents and looking at it from, you know, a a religious, spiritual standpoint. Um, And uh, I felt that it was extremely important for me to talk about these abortion bans and these abortion bills that have been getting passed statewide, uh, specifically in the South right now, um, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, Kentucky, there's all these things called heartbeat bills. And so a lot of these particular states that I named, Arkansas, Utah, Iowa, have signed heartbeat bills. And so this means that after a heartbeat can be detected in a fetus, then the person who is carrying the baby is not able to get an abortion. So this can be as early as six weeks when many people don't even know that they're pregnant when they're six weeks pregnant, but you can potentially find a heartbeat at six weeks. And so after that six weeks, that person will not be able to get an abortion. And so none of these have gone into effect yet. And they would need to go, to my understanding, go to the Supreme Court. And there, so many of the bans, again, you know, you can't get the abortion after six weeks, potentially. It doesn't matter if it was a case of incest, a case of rape. Uh, you still cannot get an abortion. There seems to be like one caveat and that is generally like if the pregnancy is ectopic, meaning that the baby is not in the uterus, but I think it like has shifted to somewhere else where basically the baby would probably die anyway. Um, Or if there's a serious risk of impairment of the child or that could, something that could prevent the woman's death. Like if the woman was at risk of dying or the person was at risk of dying, then uh, they could potentially get an abortion. And so this is clearly foolishness. This is clearly a mess. I mean, there's just so many different, (laughs) there's just so much to say about it. It's stressful. I'm literally like pulling at my neck right now. That's what happens when I get really stressed out. (sighs) The attack on the uterus the attack on the womb is one that is age old. 
when these niggas make decisions, people with wombs, people without wombs and uteruses should not be making decisions for people who have wombs and uteruses. That's just period. Then on top of that, I want to add that it's not just men. It's not just men making decisions about, about this. It's not. There's some white women up in there. I can't remember which specific um, state it was, but it was a white woman who signed off on this bill. So this ain't got nothing to do with women. If you ain't a woman, you can't make decisions. This ain't got nothing to do with that because it's still people <laughs> with wombs and uteruses and, and babies and all of that making terrible decisions. This is an attack specifically on black people. This is an attack specifically on people black mothers this is an attack on the divine feminine this is a, an attack on low income folks this is an attack on oh my god i don't even have the words or language to just even how does this make sense how is this possible i'll tell you how because we live in a system that does not give a fuck about bodies and it centers not even just men but it centers maleness male pleasure male pleasure it centers penises very phallic centric and anything that's not that is needs to be attacked and destroyed and so this is another this is how we are seeing it manifest in this way. I want to remind folks that though these times are extremely scary and will probably get worse. I was talking about this a little bit on my Instagram live. I want to ground us in the fact that the U.S., the government, the healthcare system has always been trash. One, it was created to be trash for us. And two, they did not give us abortion. They did not give us, they did not teach us about abortion. They did not teach us or give us really access to anything that has been that safe anyway. Um, we do need to be fighting so that these bills are not completely passed and that the Supreme Court rejects these horrible, horrible bills. And at the same time, this is a call to action. As I said, ain't nobody, they ain't create this. People been given abortions since, and getting abortions since the beginning of time, since people were able to have a baby. They could also decide to not have the baby. Our ancestors, specifically the ones who were in chattel slavery, were aborting babies all the time when they were being raped by Massa, when all of that, when they didn't even want to, or when they weren't, but maybe they just didn't want to bring a baby into these fucking terrible ass, into enslavement. So there were herbs that people knew to take and how much and how many for how long to be able to abort pregnancies. There were certain types of massages and workings that people could do to safely and terminate a pregnancy. So I want to remind us that they ain't give us nothing. And this is honestly a push and a call. 
ancestrally, because I talked to them about this, a push in the call to start to learn the herbs and the roots again. And I'm not necessarily just talking about in regards to abortions, but just generally we're going to have to get more invested and involved in understanding the land that we are on, understanding what grows in it, how it grows, how we need to use it. What, what is this herb for? What is this root for medicinally and spiritually? This is something else that has come up a lot in divination with various clients. I'm like, you need to learn the herbs and the roots. You need to learn the herbs and the roots, period. And because it's coming up so much like that, and because of the conversations that I've had with the dead people and the ancestors are like, oh, because y'all are going to have to get more land-based. Because the stuff around you is not sustainable. This healthcare system is not sustainable. The government, the things that get, is not sustainable. But what is going to be sustainable is earth and spirit. So we have to connect more with that as we watch these things around us crumble. As we watch people seemingly take resources from us. We actually have really powerful resources under our feet. And so we have to make sure that we're continuing to learn and study and study and study. And if you weren't called, you know, specifically to learn the herbs and the roots, what is your healing modality that you need to be tapping into and practicing because you understand that the things around you are unsustainable? So what, what do you feel called to? What do you feel like your work is that exists outside of the system outside of what you know this white perversion and colonialism deemed worthy do you have a deep connection to spirit are you able to hear spirit communicate with spirit that's important we need people who can do that and to strengthen that do you have an attraction to plants and roots and herbs we need that do you feel like you need to be a birth worker or a doula? How do you do that potentially outside of, you can do it like within the system, of course, but also how would you do it outside of that so that it's more sustainable for more people? So these are the things that we have to think about because it's not going to get no better. <laughs> Let me just cut to the chase. It ain't, it ain't going to get no better until we start to take the reins because our people, they did this. They did this way before anybody ever gave it to us. And that is in air quotes. I also want to uplift with these whole abortion bans and bills and all of this shit. Can we see that there's clearly no separation of church and state? Can we see how Christianity has completely infiltrated itself into all of our things when there's this fake First Amendment talking about there's a separation of church and state when it's not. Because many of the bills that are being signed, these state bills that are being signed around these abortion bans and bills are centered around we can't do this because we're trying to be God and we're not God so we can't decide. Who said who? How did God get into this? We're talking about separation of church and state. This is the state. You can't sign a bill because of God. That's a belief. So this is, when I start talking about Christian privilege, people think I'm tripping. Like no Christian privilege is a thing. We look at our money, see in God we trust. We Laws are being changed because I think it was the, the governor of Alabama. I don't remember who said like, we can't play God and everyone is God's children. And that ain't got nothing to do with a law. That is in complete violation of the first amendment. 
but who cares? Like, that's why these laws, all this stuff, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Nobody follow them. Only certain people have to follow laws. Other people don't. But this is a, this is an attack on spirituality as well. This is the push for Christianity to have to take over our lives and for us to, and we can't even exist in our bodies in a specific way because it's against something that people are saying that Jesus or God said. It's people out here who atheists. Why does an atheist, why atheists can't get an abortion? Because of God. They don't got nothing to do with them. They don't even believe in God. So this is also something that we have to talk about from this standpoint too, that you are violating my rights and my beliefs. My belief system doesn't have any say on what I choose to do with my body if there is a fetus in it. So, ugh, that's my whole standpoint. This is just such an attack on, like, colonialism really did a number, y'all. Did a number. And we know that, or we might not know, but I'm going to say that you should understand that more than women can get pregnant. There are people who are between genders. They don't choose gender. Um, trans men can all experience pregnancy. That is also age old. If you have a uterus and you have a womb, you can just have a baby, regardless of how one identifies. So we don't necessarily have to talk about this in this dichotomy of like, this is a thing about men doing things to women. Like, no, this is, for me, it's more of an attack on the womb space. It's just an attack on the womb space, which is age old because from an indigenous perspective, there is a lot of power in the uteri in a lot of different African traditional uh, religions it just is and it's not about women having more power it's just if you got a uterus <laughs> or even if you were able even if you got it removed or like you had some a wombs removed you know if you had one in that space there's just a lot of power with that that's just sort of a belief in in many traditions and understanding that and I think people subconsciously understand that and so there will co consistently be an attack on people or the majority of people who have that. It's always been even, y'all hear my stomach growling. <laughs> I just ate. Uh, I was looking at, oh my goodness, I need to find this. Because Mama Rue, who I'm going to get on this show, she's a really, really amazing, amazing, amazing elder in the hoodoo tradition. And she is so knowledgeable and... She's everything. I have to get her on the show. And she's just so black and amazing. Let me find a post that she put up on Facebook recently because I just, I felt that. I, I really, I really felt that. Let me. Okay, so this is the post from Mama Ru, which I think gives some historical context to the consistent attack on our anatomy. And this was just a piece of it. So, sex used to be sacred, a gift from the gods, but men turned it into a sin, an act not for pleasure, but procreation only, although our female anatomy contradicts that, and came up with all kinds of nonsense to link female sexuality with evil, mental illness, and even criminal activity. 
To certain cultures where sexual power was tied to manifestations or magic, female circumcision, chastity belts, and anatomical torture devices came into play. That clitoris just had too much power in the feeble male mind, and it wasn't and if it wasn't destroyed permanently, it was imprisoned temporarily. The lies are coming undone. In religions, women who were thinkers were turned into whores, demons, and baby-eating monsters. In some religions, the divine feminine archetypes as creators were scrubbed, replaced by male archetypes, and either erased completely or revised and reduced to quote-unquote witches. The lies are coming undone. The lies are coming undone in men. Many who are holding on to their inner petulant child are not going to sit by quietly and watch all their toys be taken away. As non-nurturers, they would sooner destroy the world of lies they helped build rather than live in a world restored with truth. And that was Mamaru's post just on how we can see throughout history the consistent, consistent attack on the clitoris, the consistent attack on womb space, because it has been understood ancestrally as a as a space of power, as a space of creation, as a space of manifestation. And if you don't have that, certain folks who do not want to <laughs> live, who want to live in dishonesty and lies, will try to attack that instead of trying to embrace and work with. So we are just witnessing something that has consistently happened over time. And so it is our responsibility to, yes, fight for what we deserve in our rights, but also recognize that we have we have power, we have gifts, we have access to land, and we have access to spirit. And what an honor it is that our ancestors have not abandoned us in this time and are calling us to do this work. You know what I'm saying? So that's that one that's. I'm curious to to other folks' thoughts around this and, you know, what kind of work can we be doing collectively together, even if we could be doing some type of group, not like a group hex, but some sort of group, um, you know, binding ritual to be able to stop this. Like, if this does move forward to the Supreme Court, like, this is, whoo, y'all, we got work to do. We got work to do. So I just wanted to bring that up and ground us in that, but also say that we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. That's why we have our ancestors. And that's why this has just come up so much around learning herbs and roots because spirit is like, come on, y'all, we got to get back to what's sustainable. We got to get back to what's sustainable. And so we can, and we do, because these people ain't give us nothing. <laughs> they give us nothing. So we have to fight, but we also have to study. We have to study right now because times is changing. And we got to live through it to tell the tale, and we will. So that is my little spiel on the abortion bans. Fuck people trying to make decisions for other people's bodies. People have a right to decide what they do with their own bodies. And your own personal decision around... What's a baby, what's not, what's a fetus, what's not, it's none of your business. And that's just period. That's that on that. Juju for the culture. All you need is a little juju. 
So first of all, I wish y'all could see me. I'm like laying down fully in the bed with the mic just in front of my face. <laughs> um, so for our main topic today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the ancestors, which, okay, I always talk about, but in a way of just sort of doing a little bit of a check-in because I think I haven't went into detail um, in the podcast as much as I did in episode one around altar building around building relationship with ancestors, why it's important, etc. So I just wanted to kind of gloss over that again for a refresher um, because I'm getting a lot of the same questions and just kind of talking about why this work is important and how to do our altar work and potentially add some more information that wasn't in episode one as I'm in a different space. We're all in different spaces if you've been listening since the beginning of the podcast. So yeah, I just felt like, let me let me talk about the ancestors. So Again, why do we do this work? Specifically, if you are a child of the diaspora, meaning that you are not a continental, like you did not grow up in on the continent or you your parents are not directly from a country on the continent, then you are most likely a child of the diaspora, meaning that our, our Africanness has spread throughout the world because of migration, because of enslavement, because black people have always just moved and so we've moved all over the place and so black people settling into new land and then creating family and community in those spaces make us part of the diaspora so if you are a child of the diaspora and specifically in the states which is my context as a child of you know whose ancestors were enslaved for hundreds of years I found and I think we talked about this a little bit with Alafia in her episode that Diasporans tend to venerate ancestors more often and talk about ancestors more than potentially people who are currently on the continent just because they haven't been separated from their ancestors in the ways that we have. Their ancestors have experienced trauma for sure, but a different kind of trauma that has looked different um, and that often has not separated them from knowing who their great, great, great grandparents are or knowing you know generally they know which tribe they may come from but a lot of us who have who are in the states but also those of us who maybe have been taken to the islands or yeah anything like that we we may be a little bit more disconnected from that so that's why it's from what I've seen diasporans tend to talk about the importance of ancestral reverence more so yeah again when we have ancestors who experienced so much pain and trauma, there's a very, there's very real work that we have to do to connect with them in order to do healing work on behalf of our lineage. Um, and it's also important to connect with them to understand our current political climates because they are people that experience a whole bunch of bullshit and made it and were extremely resilient in doing that so it's super important for those of us who especially had to partake in a forced migration meaning enslavement that we are connecting with the people who are able to figure out how to live and fight back in that so that we can continue on that legacy of fighting healing learning studying the land so that's why and this ancestral work is super super important especially those of us whose ancestors experienced so much trauma in that particular way So, 
ancestral connection and worship and reverence of the people that we came from is one of the many tools that we can use to get to a space of liberation to be able to dismantle and but not just dismantle current systems but create new ones and maybe ones that look more grounded in what our you know ancestral beliefs are what our core beliefs are about ourselves the kind of world that accepts different body types the kind of world where dark skin isn't evil the kind of world where you know, Jackson five nostrils is cool. You know, all these things of that white domination has told us about our bodies and ourselves. When we connect with our people that we come from, whose bodies that we have, whose noses that we, we have, whose lips that we have, who, who fought for us, who, who healed for us, who prayed for us. We're able to continue that. We're able to continue that legacy. So that's why I go so hard for this work. We are all just creations of our ancestors. And this isn't like even a woo-woo topic. Like this isn't something that's completely out of our, you know, out of logic. This is logical information. All of us are made up of a sperm and an egg of two motherfuckers who came together. And those two people who came together are also made up of a sperm and egg and some other people that came together. And so what I'm interested in the things that are encoded within that. What came with that sperm and that egg from that person? What am I inheriting? That sperm and that egg from two other people who created me, created you. And so for me, it's important to sort of go back and think about, okay, so what what was in the DNA? Why am I how I am now? Who did I get that from? Who in my ancestry may have done work similar to this? Does that make sense? So really trying to, like y'all can answer, I'm asking, does that make sense? I hope that makes sense because it's not, it's just, we are a compilation of our dead people. Of course, we're all unique beings Yes, with our own set of qualities. But those qualities came about because of a sperm and an egg from two from some two other people who I think it's important to learn about. And the people that they came from is important to learn about. And the people that they came from is important to learn about because it informs so much about who we are and how we show up. And how we understand information, how we process, how we talk to each other. It just it really does. And family dynamics. So because we have so much healing to do and we inherit so much in that sperm and that egg, child, we inherit so much in DNA, joys, fears, traumas, ways to live, all of it comes from somewhere, our ancestors. And so I'm from the school of thought where we don't have to recreate the wheel. Our ancestors created for us already. They have given us tools already. It's our job to unlock, unearth, and tap into. But in my thought process, we don't have to recreate. We don't have to figure out how to do most of the things we're trying to do. Most of the things we're trying to do, I feel as if someone has already done. And I got that concept from my elder, my Isha. She she used to say that a lot. And I was like, you know what? I, I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. So we're definitely on a different terrain. 
it's a, it's a new grid. It's a new experience. This is not our experience with technology in this way. This kind of technology is not the kind that our ancestors had access to. But they still were trying to create and do and be a lot of the things that we're still trying to create and do and be. And so it's our job to learn from that and push it forward and apply it to the new terrain that we're on. So we have a will. It just needs to be upgraded. We don't have to reinvent the will. So ancestral work allows us to tap into this resiliency, to tap into this divine information, this thousands of years of DNA that we have encoded in us, to tap into that, to be able to use the tools and get the information that we need to apply again to this terrain, to this land, to this experience. So that's why I go so hard for this work. So one of the ways to do that is through altar building. That's one of the ways. And I think that's one of the most important ways, but one of the ways. So let me say that you can talk to your ancestors every, every and anywhere. It does not have to be necessarily at an altar. The importance of the altar itself is to be able to invite those honorable, knowledgeable, powerful, warrior-like, whatever spirits into your home where you're laying your head so that they are there. So that you're acknowledging that, what is it, um, energy is neither created or destroyed. You're acknowledging that your ancestors, though they died, were not destroyed. And they are very much still around and present in your life and so it's just a formal way to invite and acknowledge that and so once you do that acknowledgement of inviting your ancestors into your home with an altar then you can start to work with them that's when you start to learn that's when you start to process the information now a bit of a check-in how do you build your altar so depending on what spiritual lineage you're in spiritual tradition you follow or your own spirit People will say that you cannot put your altar in your room, in your bedroom, I mean. Now, we know that space can be limited. That might be the only space that you can put an altar. Or you might have the belief of, my ancestors had sex, so why? I mean, because most people are saying, like, you shouldn't be, like, naked in front of your altar or engaging in, like, sexual acts near your altar because... Essentially, if you wouldn't do it in front of your great-grandma, if you wouldn't do it from your grandma, you probably shouldn't do it in front of your altar. I think that's a valid and understandable way to look at it. And I also understand how people are like, I got here with sex, so it really ain't that bad. It's natural. If they see it, okay, they had sex to have me. (laughs) It's what I'm doing. They did it. And I think that's also another valid way to look at it. So it just really depends on how you feel about it. So I'm not going to say don't put your altar in your bedroom. I'll say if you have another option... Maybe that's best, but that's that's really up to you. That's your choice because, again, can't nobody tell you how to work your own ancestor altar. You don't have to be initiated into anything to work an ancestor altar or to have an ancestor altar. So that's just kind of what that is. I mean, there's standard ways to create one. But it can also vary depending on what tradition, what lineage, what group, what organization, what tribe. Everyone's not creating an altar in the same way. So I'm just going to give you a pretty much overall generic way of how to put your altar together and invite those spirits in. I learned this from... I mean, I've created altars in different spaces from being in Lukumi, spiritual tradition, which is the Cuban form of Ifa, 
to also more of a traditional ifa, but not like Isheshe traditional, but like a more traditional ifa. And then also from a Congo perspective of how to build an altar. So these are all just, this is kind of just like a blanket way. There's more than one way, but this is the what I found has been the most helpful for me. So, oh, and also let me, let me also add, I recognize that people of all different ethnic groups listen to this podcast. There are black Americans, black Brits, people on the continent, Nigerians, Ghanaians, Senegalese, I mean, white people, <laughs> Latinx folks, Puerto Rican people, Cubans. I, I know, I know people reach out to me all the time, Filipino People from Thailand all listen to this podcast, this black ass podcast. I always want to uplift that this podcast is centered on black folks, specifically folks of the diaspora, specifically, specifically folks in the U.S. Just because that is my story. But this, this podcast is I'm thinking about black people when I'm talking and doing this work, but I can't stop anyone from listening. And I recognize that there's information in here that people want access to, and that helps them feel maybe even more connected to their ancestors, even if they're not black. But every spiritual, every ethnic group has a spiritual tradition to connect to everyone, even including white people. Everyone has an indigenous tradition, everyone. I encourage folks to research their own indigenous traditions. I encourage folks to search online, go to libraries, talk to your elders. That's the best way. And ask and pray to your ancestors to show you the way. Because the way that I'm saying is not the way for everybody. Certain groups, I know there's certain Native Native American groups to where you actually aren't supposed to be building, you know, altars necessarily for your dead people. You're actually in certain nations and tribes of people, you're supposed to leave them alone. (laughs) You're supposed to respect them by letting them rest. So you wouldn't actually be calling on them and asking for favors or asking them to do work for you and push things forward. So that's why I don't necessarily, if you're listening to this and you are not black, I don't know. I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't know. Because I'm not speaking from a point of, of any other tradition, but from my own. So how you feel like your spirit is moving you forward, if you feel like you can, you should create an altar or not, or that's, that's, that's on you. Okay, that's your decision. But I do encourage everyone who is listening to study your own indigenous traditions. And I also encourage, I know there's white people listening. I hope you're a patron. anywho back to building this altar so a glass of water and a candle is I think the easiest and most accessible way to create an altar it does not have to be super ornate initially it does not have to be have all the pictures of all your ancestors in the world. First of all, people always ask about pictures. And they say they don't have any pictures. That's fine. I don't have a picture of every one of my ancestors. 
We have ancestors before cameras were even invented. So it's okay if we ain't got pictures up there. Now, if you do have access to pictures, it's always nice to put them up there. I find it helps with the connection when we can look at faces while we're praying and thinking and processing and meditating or whatever. But before all of that, a glass of water and a candle is a old school way to connect the spirit. That can be an altar. Over time, you get you have your glass of water or candle, you can put it on some type of table, preferably one of the earth, so like metal or wood, but if not, a little plastic table, that's fine. It's what you have. Altars can be on the ground, also fine. Many um, altars and shrines, specifically on the continent, are on the ground um, because our ancestors are in the ground, so you're closer to them. So that's up to you. Um, so don't hold off this process because you feel like I don't have all the bells and whistles to create an altar. If you have yourself, first of all, you have enough. Second of all, if you got a glass in case white candle and, and a glass of water, go ahead and set that altar up in the house. Over time, you get your pictures. Over time, you can get an a piece of each element to be on your altar. So you have your water already. You have you can put some incense up there to rec to um for the elements of air. You have fire on there from your candle. You can have some type of stone on there or if your altar is wood then you have a representation of of the earth. So or a crystal of some sort or a root of some sort to represent the earth. So all those things can come over time representing the elements. I do think that that is important. But but otherwise, if you're just really needing to have an altar, you feel like you need to bring your ancestors in your space immediately, don't wait to get all the things and all the bells and whistles and that you have to buy a whole bunch of stuff. You don't. That glass oil and that candle is powerful. And so once you have erected your altar space where you've decided that it should go you're going to want to sit at it and introduce yourself obviously your ancestors know who you are but it's almost like you're building a relationship with a new entity in a way that you're not used to so you're saying hey like this is me inviting my honorable and loving ancestors into my space my ancestors who care about me and who want the best for me this is me acknowledging you. I'm asking that you come and fill this house, fill this room, fill me. I'm open to the advices. I want to continue to build relationship. I want to continue to grow with each other and learn from you. And that's pretty much it. But consistency is super important. So you picking your place in your house, building your altar, introducing yourself, inviting, and then consistency you're practicing consistency you're continuously going to your altar on a regimented schedule you can pick every Tuesday is my altar day every Friday is my altar day every other day is my altar day before I go to bed and you're sitting at it and you're talking you're processing you're thinking you're meditating etc that part is super important once you start to do that what's also super important is offerings and I know that if you are coming out of a traditionally Abrahamic practice, maybe that's not Catholicism because it's a little bit different. We do offerings in Catholicism in a way. 
But if you're coming out of a different kind of Abrahamic traditional Christianity itself, besides Catholicism, it's going to be weird, you know, to interact with spirit in this way because we are not used to it. In our bones, in our DNA, we're used to it. But in the ways that we have been practicing religion or spirituality, it may seem strange. Offerings are not something that we needed to give Jesus in my case, offerings were not something that we had to do. You just pray and you ask and you just hope for the best. In our tradition, if you have African descendants and you are venerating African spirits, everybody knows you got to give something. Flowers, honey, some money, food. Even incense is an offering, a, a smoke offering, cigars, cigarettes, tobacco, coffee, Coca-Cola. These are all different things that have come up in divination, but also things that our ancestors could have and may have liked and often did like peanuts, anything. You have to give to receive. This is a part of the exchange of the universe, even to our ancestors. Ain't nothing free. Ain't none free, including the work that your ancestors and spirits who love you do. It is not free. So when we think about it like that, when we think about everything being in exchange, things have to replace each other. The earth constantly replaces itself. Our skin replaces itself when we get a cut. What goes up must come down. We have to barter. We come from a bartering people. So... You ain't just going to your altar and praying and asking for stuff and you ain't gave nothing. You ain't gave your time. You ain't put some food up there every now and then when you've cooked, putting something to the side or you haven't put no, like, you know, your grandmama loves some rum. Why ain't you got no rum up there? So offerings are super, super important. We have to train ourselves to start thinking in that way because we're not used to, we're not, many of us are not used to, I wasn't used to. Many of us are used to praying, though, and I find that a lot of folks in divination often have questions of, I feel like I'm sitting at my altar, but I don't feel nothing. I just feel like I'm talking to myself. And that's natural and normal. You probably will feel like you're talking to yourself for a little bit until you get in the habit of doing spirituality in a different way. But over time, I think you'll feel more comfortable and you'll start to understand. You'll start to feel the energy around you you'll start to feel even messages coming to your head and you're like hmm was I thinking that or was that yeah it was spirit baby don't overthink the process I posted a picture today on Instagram of people cooking out they had a whole grill in a cemetery like right next to a plot they <laughs> cooking probably cooking some links and some burgers and stuff at the at the cemetery so this is a way of honoring and venerating our ancestors that people might not call it. I'm going to go to talk to my ancestors, but they're like, oh, we cooking out. And this was Lil Ray's favorite. He, Lil Ray loved Memorial Day and he loved my hot dog link. So we're going to go to the cemetery. We're going to fire up the grill in honor of Lil Ray Ray. That's ancestral veneration. Where people died on street corners, whether they were murdered or car accidents and putting out candles and flowers and having those vigils and pictures of them where they died, that is ancestral veneration. RIP t-shirts, that is ancestral veneration. 
Car decals with RIP on it. That is ancestral veneration. Shit, money with dead people on it. With the presidents. Now, they ain't our ancestors. We don't care, but that's ancestral veneration. It is everywhere. Naming marathons after dead people. That is ancestral veneration. So we don't have to think like this is outside of ourselves or this is something that we don't know how to do. We know how to do this. We've done it so many times. So don't overthink it like I'm not doing it right. You already are it. You don't have to do anything separate. This is just a way to formalize a process and understand a process that we have already been engaging in or seen in so many different ways. In Baltimore, when somebody got shot or killed, they took their shoes off and threw it over the um the 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 electrical lines, like the telephone lines. I don't know if people still do that anymore. But that was ancestral veneration. To honor that person. Pouring libations, pouring looking for the homies. Ancestral veneration. So don't overthink the altar process because you've probably already engaged with honoring an ancestor in some kind of way. So just keep at it and keep those offerings up and keep the conversation up. I promise you will feel things. I promise, I promise, I promise. All you need is a little juju. Now I do want to also add, there have been a few folks that I've talked to in Divination who have the altar and they're just like, I'm not fully connecting with it. Or there are folks that even when I get on the phone with them, I'm like, oh, their altar needs to be outside, which in some traditions, altars are outside. Altars can be at a tree. Altars can be at a tree. I like outside altars. I've never constructed one or I don't have like a specific space like this is my tree. This is my where I'm going to honor my people. But I would try, if you are having difficulty and you're on top of your offerings, you're on top of your prayers, and you don't feel a connection, try to go outside because some people just, they connect with their people better with and on the land. I think a lot of us probably do, but some of us can still feel that sort of connection in the home. And I also think it's important, I do think it's important to have ancestral space in the home, but if it's not doing what you needed to do, go on outside and find a plot of land, find a tree that you can sit at, bring your offerings, you're still doing your offerings. And you can also talk to your ancestors there. You can talk to spirit at a tree. You can talk to spirit in plants. You can have an altar that literally is, someone was telling me they have a plant, they're not able, they don't feel safe having an altar space in their home because of family or whatever not understanding or potentially taking it down so she just has a plant she has a plant that she talks to and waters and that's how she pours her libations when she's watering her plants and she talks to her ancestors in that because they are in the land they are in the dirt their bones are in the dirt literally so we can also connect with nature in that way you know going on a walk and talking to your people and finding a river or a stream or a lake and presenting offering there especially if especially if you're off the Atlantic oh all our people so many of our people are there so if you're having difficulty with the indoor altar go on outside and find you a land find you a tree and that can be when you want to talk to your people you go there when you want to leave offerings you go there when you want to pray you go there that is another way or go to waters and you can do that as well so I hope that this was you know, a good little check-in around the altars and around ancestors so that we can just start 
again. I just want to talk about it again from episode one. I do rec I do recommend folks to go back to listen to uh, episode one just because it was more information around how to connect with our people. And I hope that I just added a little bit more this time around. It's okay if you don't know all your ancestors. I get that all the time. I don't know my ancestors. I'm not connected to them. I was adopted. That's okay. I don't know all my, no one knows all their ancestors. That would be impossible. So many of us were not afforded the gift to be able to know past our maybe great grandparents, maybe great, great. Some of us don't even know our grandparents. It is okay. Regardless of if you know them or not, they know you. So you don't have to have names. You don't have to have pictures. You don't have to have anything but a willingness to open up yourself, be vulnerable, and commit to a practice. That's what you need to have. So don't let the pictures, don't let not knowing the names, any of that stop you from connecting. Um, Let me also add what I get a a question I get a lot is my ancestors weren't shit. <laughs> They'd be like, my ancestors were terrible. My ancestors were not nice. My ancestors were abusive. My Yes. Okay. And I talked about this a little bit in, I don't remember which episode number, but it was called Ancestors Ain't Perfect. If you haven't heard that, I would listen to that episode too. Our ancestors were human beings. They were doing human ass shit when they was alive. And we can still often learn from them and still build relationship and allow them to do some of the important ass healing work that's necessary. A lot of the ancestors who who wasn't shit on a on a physical realm are the ones that die and be like, damn, I really wasn't shit. I need to show up now. They be the ones. So even though it's difficult and hard, hard, and I'm not telling anybody that they have to do any work, venerate, honor, uplift, anyone who was abusive, anyone who abused you, that is a choice that you have to make. I have made a choice to venerate all of my people, but that is my choice. And you can make choice on who you want to venerate. But if you do decide to work with all of your ancestors in their complexities and in their difficulties, be patient with yourself, be patient with them in that process. It's just like if you decided to befriend someone in this realm who hurt you or harmed you or disrespected you or violated your trust, you know, but, and you forgave them. What, what, what does that look like? It takes time. It takes conversation. It takes tears probably. So be gentle in your process if you decide to do that. I also want to say that <laughs> you can't say your ancestors wasn't shit. Like, even if the ancestors that you knew of, so you got four ancestors that maybe have passed on and they were all like assholes to you, that's four out of thousands. Thousands. Like, we have thousands of ancestors from the beginning of time. Think about who your very first ancestor could be. That ain't your great-grandmama. That ain't your great-great-great-grandpappy. That ain't your great-great-great-great-great-great-great. That still ain't your first ancestor. Your first ancestor. That's, that's... So don't be saying your ancestors ain't shit because you're talking about thousands of people who you don't even know and who many of them were, were shit. If you're shit, then that means you came from somebody who was shit too, somewhere down the line. 
So even if you don't know the names of those people, you can still connect with them. My ancestors who were lovers, my ancestors who were healers, my ancestors who um, were birth workers, my ancestors who could build things, my ancestors who were entrepreneurs, my ancestors who were good with business, my ancestors who were good with getting money. I'm calling on you. And be yourself, be vulnerable. The space where you have your altar and in connecting with them in this way, so often we have to shrink, not just shrink ourselves, but compartmentalize ourselves where we're at work, we have to be this way. And when I'm talking to my mama, I have to be this way. When I'm talking to my homies, I got to be this way. When I'm at the store, I got to be this way. When I'm at a job interview, I have to be this way. When I'm at church, I got to be this way. When I'm at the club, I can be this way. It's like, no, this is a the altar space and with our ancestors is a good pay, place to practice being whole. Being you. Being respectful, of course, but being you. I dance with my ancestors. I play all kinds of music when I'm there. I talk to them lovingly, of course, and with respect, but I be like, oh my God, y'all, what the fuck was going on today? What was today about? Can we talk about that? Whoop, whoop. Well, they're mad. Like, that is how I talk to them. I call my ancestors my BFFs because they are. I can be my full, whole self. I can be reverent and quiet. I can be tearful. I can cry my eyes out. I can be loud. I can be boisterous. I can be soft. I can be problematic. If no one understands what it's like to be problematic and, and have, oh my God, and just fuck up and mess up and fail and also be amazing and be beautiful and care about the things that we care about it's them they get it more than anybody because they've experienced it they've lived it and they have a whole different experience in a different realm of understanding that they're able to incorporate yeah mm -hmm. I get you baby I understand why you keep messing with this this person that you shouldn't be I understand because I did that too when I was your age and I can let you know that it ain't worth it to continue doing that because you saw the mistakes that I made it that you don't have to make anymore. I made those so you didn't have to make them anymore. So this all happens when we start to study our people, where we come from, how they thought. We start to talk to our elders. We get to listen to their stories. We get to learn how they may have used herbs and roots, etc., to make their lives and our lives better. So that is, that is the importance of this ancestral work. That is why I go so hard for it. And so I hope that this was helpful and just like a little recap, little ancestral recap. Listen to episode one, of course, for a little bit more information. And I hope that this just added to some of that to assist in your journey to connect with your people because... So often people feel like they're just not connecting in, in, in divination. And then I'm like, wait, but you're saying I'm telling you things in divination that you need to do. And you're like, oh, yeah, I thought about that. Oh, yeah, I had a taste for that the other day. And I was wondering why. So a lot of it's being more aware of how your people are talking to you. Pay attention to the numbers. Pay attention to the smells that you have, the flowers. Sometimes when you feel like I just smelled like a smell that reminded you of someone that passed that's because they ain't going away and they're right there so we're honoring our ancestors every day we're engaging with ancestors every day so this is just a call to engage with yours 
specifically because we always engaging with some white people's ancestors on this money and every and everywhere else and they name it parks and shit after their ancestors and everything named after John Henry and all this is a call for us to engage with ours because it's clearly important it's all around us so what would it be like for us to uplift our own lineages through our own joys and happinesses and also pains and traumas I feel like we could really shake some shit up y'all so that's why I just went on longer than I intended to (laughs) in this segment but I hope that that was helpful I really really do so I think I think a show has happened I think we have completed episode what is this 24 I can't believe I'm on 24 episodes completed episode 24 today and to bring the ancestors back into the space and back to our forefront get those altars up y'all inside outside wherever you feel called to don't be discouraged because your altar don't look like somebody else's altar or it's not ornate that's okay they know where you are they recognize what you have they may do with what they had we are in that same line We are part of the same lineage. We will do the same things. Okay? Sending y'all peace and love and blessings always. All you need is a little juju. So I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. If you would like to reach out to me on the social medias, you can find me at I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E on Instagram. It's Jujubay. I'm also It's Jujubay on Twitter. I'm not much of a tweeter, but I'm trying to get better, y'all. I really am. Um, if you would like to talk about the podcast, hashtag a little juju podcast or hashtag A-L-J-Pod. That, that can be our hashtag because the hashtag should be short, right? That's the point. Okay, hashtag ALJPod if you want to talk about this episode and connect with other folks who are listening. If you would like to book a reading with me, you can hit me up on my website at itsjujubay.com. You can book a consultation with me there, an ancestral reading. You can also hit me up in the email for any kind of media inquiries or if you would like me to do a workshop, bring me out to your school, trying to get flued out 2019, period. You can <laughs> reach out to me on my website, contact form, or you can just send an email to thejujubay at gmail.com. Um, I'm still doing uh, Dear Juju letters. I don't know if I'm going to have another Dear Juju episode or what. I've kind of just been answering them one-on-one, more or less. Some of them, questions that I get are things that I've talked about a lot in the podcast, so sometimes it can be a lot to... Like be answering a lot of the same questions over and over again. So maybe I do need to do another Dear Juju episode. But if you have a question, not something that's long and drawn out about your, just a general question, that's where you can reach me. And please give me some time because I've been taking a long time because I've been doing a lot. Um, anyway, I appreciate y'all. I thank you. I am so honored to do this work with you. I'm so happy to be in community with so many brilliant and amazing folks who yeah are just engaging and embarking in this call to action from our people at the same time isn't that amazing that gives me goosebumps our people have not abandoned us abandoned us so what a blessing what a blessing thank y'all i hope you have a good day we will talk in a couple weeks and don't forget all you need is a little juju adios